Hello and welcome. This is Wrestle Wolf's Reconsidering WCW Nitro. Uh, we're reconsidering uh, the Great American Bash 1996. Um, joining me, as always, is the man who only deals in kayfabe and nothing else except for Billy Joel, Billy Corgan, uh, Nick Cave, Nirvana. <laughs> Dave Meltzer. Uh... Dave Meltzer. It's Sir Matthew Kayfabe. Hello. I was thinking... Could we get our logo, the WrestleWolf logo, done like the 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 sort of 1999-2000s WCW logo where it was World Championship Wrestling? <laughs> we, we could, although, I mean, I did pay a fair amount of money to have that <laughs> logo commissioned, so we'd have to... <laughs> We'd have to scrap that and get another one done. Yeah, well, yeah we could. Maybe maybe when we do the rebrand into right, like cool. WrestleWolf 2000 or something. When there's a brand split. Oh, oh that'd be so good. <laughs> I mean, it'd suck for you because you still have to do all the editing and recording, so you would have to appear on both brands. <laughs> yeah. So both of us would have to find someone else to do podcasts with, which would suck. Mm. And then, but then I've still got to do everything for everyone's podcast. <laughs> and meanwhile, like your brand is pumping out like fifteen podcasts a week <laughs> about like the most <laughs> like minute window of wrestling. You know, it's like oh, it's oh just- this is our this is our TNA two thousand and one Sting podcast where we only talk about Sting from two thousand and one oh, TNA. That would be so good. I'd be doing my podcast with Puppet Jim Duggan, which is a puppet that I would oh, have. Wow. Yeah, it would. I would hate it so much. It'd just be me. <laughs> you would hate the puppet, puppet arguing. Jim Duggan. Yeah, shut the fuck up, Jim Duggan. Uh, Jim Duggan was actually in a dark match for the for the Great American Bash in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, def- that's where Jim Duggan should be. He defeated the Disco Inferno, which is definitely not something that should be happening ever. Oh, I love Disco. That's not good. He's actually kind of the per- like he's the perfect uh, dark match guy at this he- stage. Yeah, Jim he, Duggan, he is because the crowd are going to be like they're going to be like, yeah, I love him, but he's- we don't have to suffer through the pay per view <laughs> watching Jim Duggan. Yeah, which is very very pleasant. Um, you you know what was good though? What this pay per view? <laughs> this is a really yeah. really good pay per view. Like out like it's if, a really enjoyable pay per view. Yeah. If someone was to put this on now, obviously it would be very very difficult given the amount of you know dead or disabled people that are on the card. But if someone was to put the modern equivalent of this on now, it would be the best pay per view of the year. Yeah, don't uh, make the mistake I made of looking up uh, Nancy Benoit during the near no. like, and then reading about her. Like her story is just so. Oh man, it it you might don't really be... get stories like this in wrestling anymore. I feel like that like that era of just tragic wrestling figures doesn't really exist. But well, to be fair, that one's man. so so tragic and so it's so fucked up, yeah, so involved in wrestling that it's a yeah a particularly unique terrible it's going to be a little bit difficult to cover the storyline of chris and nancy getting together uh which is going to come well, that's up why in I WCW. It up because i yeah because there's a match later on where the taskmaster's taking on chris benoit hmm. and um and then, it, like, I remembered, like, oh, yeah, that's right, because, like, woman is with Kevin Sullivan at this stage mm. and then she leaves him to, like, in real life, 
to be with Chris Benoit, but then there's also a feud between the two of them. And I, cu- I couldn't remember if it was before they got together or whether it was after. Mm. So supposedly they don't get together until 1997. Yeah. So, so that's they, in a year's time. So I believe but, they get together while they're fake getting together because Kevin Sullivan loved kayfabe so much that he made them travel together, which might have been a mistake. Uh, I think actually we can we can firmly say with hindsight that was a mistake. Yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, it's not Kevin Sullivan's fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> we I can't mean, blame was... Kevin Sullivan for everything that happened after no. this. But, yeah, it is. it was a mistake. Yeah. Firmly, firmly, I don't want to blame Kevin Sullivan, but... Anyway. For him, if nothing else, I mean, I he mean, lost his wife out of you know. Yeah, <laughs> but that I mean, that is a wrestling. That's such a wrestling story of like, mm. you know, a, a boy and a girl get put together in a in a kayfabe storyline. Uh, Stephanie and Hunter is the probably the most yeah. high profile version of that. Mm. Well, I mean, this this also as a pay per view, you'd have to think this might be the first of what is going to become a bit of a WCW tradition where they put on these incredible pay-per-views for two hours and 45 minutes and then they just st- serve you steaming hot shit as the main event. Like, that's a classic <laughs> WCW move. It will, it yeah, will become I a kind of, Yeah, I kind of felt sorry for Lex and the Giant, even though I'm not a massive fan of e- either of them in ring mm. or anything, but... And I feel like this is what will happen for the next six to 12 months of like mm. they've had to follow Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and the crowd doesn't care. Like, you know, it just Kevin Nash and and, and Scott Steiner should have shown up. Uh, Scott Steiner. Kevin Nash and, and Scott Hall should have shown up at the end of the pay-per-view. Yes. That should have been yes. the last thing. We certainly shouldn't happened, have but- got 10 minutes of Lex Luger and the Giant after it. Uh, I mean, n- yeah. I mean, they're not good wrestlers. No, like but it they, wasn't. They were like, given. They were. They were set to not succeed here. Yeah, it's not like oh man, you know, <laughs> Daniel Bryan and and like Eddie Guerrero were about to have the greatest wrestling match of all time in this weird hypothetical I've just made up, and then uh, you know Kevin Nash put Eric Bischoff through a table, and everyone just. Stop caring. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I, I would say opening opening a show. If if you have the talent to open a show, and this is a bit of an AEW thing that they they do a lot now, and WWE do it a little bit, but opening a show with the Steiner brothers versus Fire and Ice, Fire and Ice not particularly exciting. Scott Norton's a very good wrestler, Ice Train, whatever. But they were just like, hey. We all think wrestling's a little bit real and we're going to, like, absolutely hurt each other as much as possible because mm. we're men. And it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I, I find myself saying this more and more at the moment, but mm. I think more of that should happen in wrestling. Like, like actual, actual actual assault? No, well, believability, mm. you know. Like, it, like, everyone keeps sort of... Every time I watch a uh, wrestling video on YouTube or I listen to a long-form podcast or even, you know, you and I have had these conversations mm. of, like, you know, why are people not watching wrestling as much? It, it's sort of weird. Like, it's because I think for me it comes across like 
everyone involved is like, well, no one believes in this, so it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what choices we make in mm. in Ring or as far as the story is concerned. And it does because it's actually the opposite. Like, if you think that everybody who's watching this thinks that this is bullshit, well, then it it need you like it's on you mm. to make it even more believable, right? Like, well, I think I think as the- much as possible. You should, I, and I understand like the hypocrisy of this coming from the guy whose favorite <laughs> wrestlers are the Fiend, Danhausen, and, and Warhorse. But I'm just saying, like, and Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy. <laughs> but still, um, I mean, you understand what I'm saying, though, right? Like, I, I think if I was working in creative at a wrestling company, my baseline for all characters would be: what is the motivation for this character? Why have they chosen to become a professional fighter for a living? And, I like, I want to believe that, like, you know, I can say, like, I can look at Kenny Omega and be like, okay, he has motivation to become a professional fighter for a living. You know, this is, he's a competitive person. He's a, he's a fit person. That makes sense. Kevin Owens, they do a really good job of saying he's a prize fighter. You know, he fights, fights for a for paycheck. Fights for his family. Fights yeah. for his family. Like, this is, you know, this is what he'd be doing. People like Randy Orton, he's a second, third generation wrestler. This is what his family does. This is what he's always known. Like, there, there are stories you can tell that make you believe, like, even... You know, the best friends, uh, I think, you know, you believe that they were sort of dorks in the 90s who were really into wrestling and were like, we're going to be wrestlers. Like, you can get the motivation of why they have chosen to punch people in the face for and get punched in the face for a living. But you, you yeah. sort of you do need to to present that motiv- motivation. And it can be multiple things. Like, for The Fiend, it's like... You know, the fiend d- can't work at office works. You know, he can't go work at Kmart. <laughs> he needs to work in some kind of supernatural violence. And there's very yeah. little of that available outside of Halloween. But you could you could make the fiend work again by just like one small thing of like he has been treated like shit mm. by WWE. So he wants to tear WWE apart. And that mm. means everything to do with it. The wrestlers, the promotion, Vince, everyone. You know what yeah. I mean? That and like and that's what drives him to be insane. And I think broadly It's easy. Yeah. It's so easy. Just do it. God damn it. I think as a, as, a, as a baseline, that should be that should be your KPI is why at the at the very least, yeah. I understand why this person Why does is this a person wrestler? keep showing up to this arena each week? Yeah. To put themselves in harm's way. Yeah. yeah, like it's like if you're the, what was the retribution, WWE's Antifa group, it's like, well, actually you probably could have uh, involved yourself in social change in a more effective way elsewhere. <laughs> like it doesn't really 100% make sense that you're here or if you're, you know, there, there are a lot of sort of examples. It's like, you know, if you're Dexter Loomis, I know you like Dexter Loomis, I don't like Dexter Loomis. Uh, but it, but you he know, makes look, no sense as a character. But that's kind of what I like about it. Is it's so terrible. Yeah, it's like why I aren't you a truck driver? That, because yeah. clearly you want to pick people up at truck stops and kill them. Like mm. be a truck driver. That's the best way to do that job. He's also like in a love story with Indy Hartwell at the moment. No. Who like Indy was one of my favorite wrestlers when she was wrestling down here in MCW. Like I, I adored her on every level, <laughs> and so now she's in this like weird. Uh, like 
there's a part of me that's like, oh my god, Indy's on NXT. This is so fucking cool. And she's like in the major storyline, but then the major storyline is so fucking dumb, and everyone involved in it is. I mean, Johnny Gargano. Remember when Johnny Gargano was the fucking best thing in the world to watch wrestling wise? Yes. Oh, and I like, do. N- now he's doing this weird, like he's like he's Indy Hartwell's dad. Essentially, is his role. You know, he's only. A little bit younger than us. It's not like he's 70 years old. Anyway, why are we talking about <laughs> WWE? Wow. It's important. My point is, <laughs> I agree with you. Each character needs to have like a foundation of why they're there. You know, uh, I I have a couple of things that I want to talk about in this pay-per-view. First of all, yeah, uh, the I think obviously we'll get to the NWO stuff, but there's something more important to my enjoyment of WCW that happens in this pay-per-view, and that is Mm. this is the start of the Cruiserweights, like properly. This is the debut of Rey Mysterio Jr., and they put him up against, um, you know, some schmuck called Dean Malenko for 20... They give them 20 minutes, and the crowd, at the start, the crowd do not give a shit about this match, and by the end of it... They're like all in on it, and it's amazing because mm. it shows you so, that in ring wrestling can actually sometimes matter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, ultimately, dude, like in every storyline, the in ring work is what should matter the most. Everything else is just dressing, mm. right? To well, there's get no storyline here, you know, like you know, there's no, no storyline. This is just yeah, hey, right. look yeah. at these guys, and they're gonna be <clears throat> so incredible that you're gonna it's gonna change. The yeah, way you think the, about the, wrestling, it just shows. Like it, it, I, it reminded me of like when I saw. It might have been this pay per view. I think I don't know if mm. I saw. I can't remember if I saw WCW pay per views. Like rented them on video or whatever. Mm. I must have. Anyway, um, and then everything gets jumbled. Like by the time you're our age, everything just gets jumbled up in your head. Of like, yeah, I saw that when it happened. But anyway, yeah. my point is, I remember seeing. Ray Mysterio, Billy Kidman, um, who sort of shows up in a, in a little bit in WCW mm. properly, um, uh, you know, Dean Malenko, mm. uh, even Chris Benoit to a lesser extent, like these guys who were just Chris Ray Mysterio in particular, Chris Jericho. Man, I loved, I loved WCW. I can't wait until Chris Jericho appears. Yeah, um, but. Uh, the reaction of everyone in the crowd at the end of this match where everyone's standing up and staring at Rey Mysterio doing the things that he does in this kind of, like, confused but also in awe way is a feeling that really flooded back to me when I was watching this pay-per-view of, like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember that, like, oh, holy shit, this is a completely different form of wrestling that I've never seen before, Mm. and I love it. (laughs) <laughs> and I, and basically, like, to be honest, like, if you want to ex- can keep extending these things um, as, as you're sort of, you know, at logically moving on through them, this is essentially what starts basically the Cruiserweight division, division of WCW decided what people on the internet think now is good wrestling and have for the last 30 years. Mm. Like, this basically just, you know, starts the doing crazy shit, these, you know, hurricane runners. Like, there's th- that's the stand- the standing ovation when Dean Malenko reverses a hurricane runner into a powerbomb and pins Ray is unbelievable. 
Like it's just people yeah. have never seen anything like this before. Yeah, and it's a testament, like you were saying, it's a testament to both guys that there's no story, nothing leading into this at all. I mean, the commentators kind of mentioned that they, they big up Ray, like as they're walking to the ring of like, you know, how amazing this guy is and they can't wait to see him. But really, mm. it's just like, here's a match. Yeah. For it- this cruiserweight belt that you guys probably don't give a shit about. They definitely care about it by the end of the match. They do, yeah. And there's there's probably another smaller, weirder, uh, the, the Conan versus El Gato match. Do you know how who El Gato is? Um, this name sounds really familiar to me, but I don't, I didn't look them it's, up while I was watching it. It's Pat, Pat, it's, it's Tanaka. T- oh, wow. The, yeah. It's a very strange, uh, thing. Yeah, right. But is Elgato like one of those characters that keep like other people have wrestled as as well? Or is that my imagination? I don't, I don't know. He sort of looks like Tiger Mask a little bit. Yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, th- that match was great as well. Yeah, that it's it's this whole pay-per-view has well, not every match is great, but lots of these matches are great. Yeah, I thought pretty much everything on the card was enjoyable to watch. I mean, even like a match like DDP versus uh Marcus Bagwell. Mm. Oh, yeah. He's from the America Males, America <laughs> Males. We're not going to get much longer of that, so I want to take advantage no. of it. Um, this, uh, even that was all right. I mean, Bagwell can go in the ring a bit. He's not, oh, yeah, he's not a slouch. No, no, no. Compared and DDP's to- learning. He still hasn't nailed the diamond cutter yet. It still doesn't have that. Mm. And the only word I can think of is bang. But it, <laughs> but it doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't have that, like, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't have that, like, it doesn't look like he's breaking someone's neck when he does it. Mm. You know, it still looks, a, it looks a little soft. It doesn't have, like, a, a you know, a firmness to it. <laughs> Are these words correct? I don't even know. <laughs> Look, they're, they're definitely not the words that I will be saying on a podcast that a has the listenership there, we do. There's usually, you know what it is? There's a snap. There's a snap to the diamond cutter that I remember, and it's not there yet. Yeah. You know, of like getting the person's head to the mat quickly enough for you to believe it. That's mm. not happening yet. It's still cool, but it's not as cool as it's going to be. <laughs> It, it, yeah, it's it's gonna get pretty good, and then Randy Orton. I'm glad I held us up for that long for that insight. <laughs> the um, the, the <laughs> D- DDP's gonna be real cool. <laughs> there, there's hell, there's, two, there's really like two more, and you might have even more non NWO things that I think are of note. Uh, I think the we've been like demanding and upset and disappointed by we want more Stephen Regal. Like, we know he's good. Mm. We just, like, it's just been disappointing every time we see him. This match against Sting, unless I'm completely insane, this was an absolute ripper of a match, uh, despite Mm. Sting's uh, promo. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think Sting's promos at the moment are, like, because the whole, the pay-per-view opens with old school uh like 
80s synth music and guys mm. just cutting promos, right? Yeah. And I kind of, I mean, I don't want that to come back, but I just like wrote down in my notes, like I miss those. It's not a cold open, but it, it I just miss those. Like every pay-per-view open like that mm. because it gave you an opportunity to tell stories really quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's essentially, you know, it's like uh, it's like orientation on your first day at a new job. You know, it's like, hey, I'm the macho man and I hate Ric Flair. And uh, tonight I'm going to be, I'm, he's been stealing my woman, using my credit card. And tonight I'm going to beat him for that. <laughs> you know, like you get like a quick storyline of what's happening with everyone. Mm. I think maybe that could, because in 2021, on all promotions, it's like a six minute video package is what you get. Yeah. to introduce every match. I don't know if you need it. I think you can kind of do it with this. And then with with like how this promo opened. And then but having said that, all the promos are exactly the same, which is like tonight I'm going to blah blah blah. Um and I think Sting is just doing that 80s I'm- wrestling promo. He doesn't know there's no nuance. He doesn't know yet that he doesn't have to scream or Oh, I would just yeah. I would just say the the content. I'm not sure if you quite picked up on it uh, when Sting uh, calls Lord Stephen Regal gay for drinking tea, and then says he's going to straighten oh, him out yeah. in the ring. I was like, "Ooh, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, that was disgusting." Yeah. As I watched wrestling by myself and sipped my tea, I was like, "How dare you, Sting?" Fucking 90s gay panic. You know what I mean? This is crazy. It's like crazy. He's got a different accent. He drinks tea. It's like in (laughs) what a he's a bit he's a bit weird. He might need to be straightened out. (laughs) In six months. What's next? What's next? He goes from tea to penises. I mean, that's obviously the next leap, you know? It's just fucking Uh, mental. We're gonna get six months, or in six months, Sting is gonna be like hanging out uh, in the rafters by himself in a leather coat, uh, like a school shooter coat, and so he cool. will no longer be, like, calling people gay as an insult, which is nice. Um, but, the ma- like, Stephen, Reg- Stephen Regal, his, um, and, will you know, William Regal always did this as well, but his character work, like, I hope that while he's in, he's you amazing. know, as he plays the general manager, I hope he does the character work classes because this guy does not break at all. And it feels like Ever. he came in at the exact wrong time. Like he if he had have come in in the 1980s, he or 1970 oh god, in the 1970s in like the cow palace, like they would have killed him. Like they actually might have killed him. <laughs> you know, like versus the Von Erics, the way he like oh, the like the dis- true disgust he conveys. And if he had have come in now, He'd be Walter, essentially. Like, he'd just be this absolute yeah. dominating European killer. But he comes in at a time where, uh, you know, people just want, you know, people want to point at their dicks and demand that they receive oral sex from their opponents. <laughs> it's a weird time, man. It's a weird time. I mean, I I still stand by uh, my comment of, like, uh, Sting should be the champion. He should mm. be the number one guy in the promotion at this point in time. Um, but, yeah, we can do with it, the, the, you know, 90s gay panic, guys. Jesus Christ. Yes. It, it, it just comes across, and Mean Gene sniggering away as well, it just comes across like two guys who are desperate to give each other a wristy. 
Sting and Mean Gene when they're talking to each other. You know what I mean? It, do- it does. They just like they just like. Oh, you know who might be gay? <laughs> Stephen Regal. I'm not. Unless you are. Are you? No, I'm not. Oh, good. Me either. <laughs> unless you are. Like it just feels like that. You know? It's like guys, seriously, just just kiss. No one's gonna care. It's That's what cool. you guys want to do. Do what you want to do. <laughs> but I just like, I don't know if you remember because you're younger than me, but like just the constant paranoia of being called gay or like it was the worst thing you could have been called. Like it was the worst thing you could be called in the 90s. Yeah, I I, I was probably a little bit like, you know, it was yeah, definitely a thing, but next, it was certainly not the worst the thing. The next generation that came through and, and like the guys who were younger than you, it it must have been so nice to not have to live in a world where you were just constantly, <laughs> like your whole world could fall apart if just one person decided that you were a gay for some reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> not that, not that me personally, I thought it was a bad thing, but that you would just become a social outcast. You know what I mean? Like Damien's cut all his hair, off. and then there'd be weird shit like that where you'd cut your hair short, and then you'd be called gay. I'm kind of just using our podcast as a therapy session now. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> anyway, there's nothing. It's just, yeah, it's a fantastic. Like, if you wanted a, a video uh, example of what 90s gay panic was, this promo from Sting is the perfect example of it. Yeah. No, it, it was. But the match was terrific, so. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen Regal is, is and or William Regal, whatever, you know, Whatever side of the coin you're on, he's <laughs> just a fantastic. He's just like um, one of the few wrestling books I've read and really enjoyed, just because it was a relatively well written. Uh, is Daniel Bryan's autobiography? Um, it's also very short, which is good for just if any wrestlers or wrestling people are listening to this, keep it brief, guys. Um, and Daniel Bryan talks about William Regal a lot in that. Uh, in that book of being like a huge influence and um, you can see, you, you, I, I can actually see now in Daniel Bryan's work, especially like his work on SmackDown this week, you can see the influence of Regal on Daniel Bryan of like when he's a babyface, he's always a babyface. And when he was a heel, he was always a heel and he's always doing the right thing by the match and the story and, you know, like do you know what? You're looking at me like you're a bit confused. Do you know what happened on SmackDown this week? No, not at all. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, Brian, Brian had a match against Roman Reigns. If he lost, he's off SmackDown, and he lost. Yeah, they shouldn't. They should have. Should have. They should have given him the championship. That would have been cool. Daniel Bryan to AW confirmed. <laughs> I feel During like you say these things just Kenny because of- your hit rate eventually, like you're just like, oh, I picked that one. It's like, well, you've said every wrestler's going to AEW. Yeah, I also want them all to come to, you know. <laughs> Vince McMahon to AEW, confirmed. No, no. no. Triple H. No one from the, cl- no one from the click <laughs> and no Vince. Is Billy <laughs> Gunn just- part of the click? I never sort of really knew how those extended... Uh, no, that was Hunter's new click after everyone else had left, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh, I don't have any friends here anymore. Hey, you nerds. You fucking morons. Yeah? You're my friends now. <laughs> my girlfriend and these two fucking idiots over here are my friends. And Sean Waltman, I suppose. <laughs> Sean Waltman was part of the click. 
<laughs> yeah, but that's like he's just still hanging around. It's like he, but Hunter forgets that he's there, and Sean Waldman's like, "What about me?" It's like, "Oh yeah, you're you're in it too. You're in DX as well, I suppose." <laughs> Uh, what else happened on this? I'm kind of liking our rambly uh, way of doing this rather than um, just going through the whole card. So uh, I hope the listeners are. <laughs> I, I have I have one more non-NWO thing that I want to talk about. I think we've covered everything else, uh, and I imagine you Who? know what this is going to be. Uh, what's the what's the acronym that you're saying? I think we've covered everything else other than the NWO, but there's one thing left. I don't know what I don't know what this NWO thing is that you're talking about. Oh, but anyway. oh sorry. The outsiders. We haven't talked about the outs. I'm I was a bit slow then. I was very slow. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Ramon and Diesel. <laughs> um sorry, I had a Anyway, whew, we'll talk about that in a sec. Sorry to stress you out. Ricky, I know you've been, <laughs> Rick, Rick, you've been at a kid's birthday party this morning. I, should be I have been, actually. With you. <laughs> Rick, Rick Flair, uh, who I've started to notice, I think the weirdest thing about his character in cultural hindsight is that he's a bit of a, He's like we've been talking about how he's sleezing on to all these these women, um, you know, Mongo McMichael's wife, uh, Randy Savage's wife, uh, Kevin Sullivan's wife, and, and <laughs> the thing about it is, they're all mature aged women. Like they're all they're all the age of. I remember watching this as a kid. Not not particularly this thing. But I remember watching this storyline and being like. I'm not attracted to these women. They're they're the same age as my mum, and I sort of appreciate that Ric Flair's a bit of a a, 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 a granny grabber, like age appropriate. <laughs> it's like it's just like it is a bit of a breath of fresh air. It's not like it's not like now where he's dating Lacey Evans or whatever the fuck he's doing. Oh, like God, it's like yeah. I, I wish he was dating May Young on TV. Is May Young dead? Um, anyway. Another, yeah. I wish he was dating another elderly woman on television because it's so much more delightful. I don't delightful. know if these women are elderly, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> but he's like elderly now. Yeah, but he's elderly now. Oh, now, right. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. like this is this is actually delightful in, in that way. Um, it, the fact that they're all mm. absolutely physically disgusted. <laughs> it's an disgusted. interesting way to put it. They're They're all physically disgusted by him. Like Miss Elizabeth is 36 at this point. So he's just like, she's an adult. She's divorced. I'm probably thrice divorced at this point, I'm assuming. Oh, at least. <laughs> the uh, And maybe it's just because Ric Flair knows that he can't have sex with someone significantly younger than him because he's fathered so many bastard children and doesn't want to be engaged in incest. Not that I want to throw that out there. That's a joke just for any uh, any flares. It's a listening. joke. Everyone knows that's a joke. But uh, he, like, had no problem with literally whipping his dick out in front of women. That's in Jim Ross's book. That's on the record. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so feel free to contact us if um, you've seen Ric Flair's penis um, and you want to talk. Well, go to our WrestleWolf store and buy your own spew bucket for whenever Rick comes out. <laughs> a WrestleWolf-inspired, a uh, Ric Flair-inspired spew bucket. But the, the I guess the, the, the news is that... Um, we got a new four horsemen, a fourth horseman. I, I know you. I, I get the feeling that you're going to be like, "Oh my god!" I actually enjoyed this. 
I no, enjoy, this is good. I enjoyed, this is as I good as it's going to get, though. I enjoyed the storytelling. I actually thought that uh, Mongo and Kevin Green didn't embarrass themselves in the ring. <clears throat> um, and they're working with Rick and Arn, so, you know, those guys are going to make them look relatively good. And, mm. the, and the stuff that they did do was all kind of gridiron football, American football based, right? Like a lot of sort of yeah. uh, shoulder charges and knee charges and all that kind of thing. So, um, and just the, you know, like they bought Mongo. It's kind of like we haven't heard a lot of this about the Four Horsemen recently mm. of like they're rich. You yeah. know what I mean? They're the jet flying, profiling, 35-year-old son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> they wish fucking Miss Elizabeth is not touching anyone in that fucking <laughs> <laughs> She hates all of them. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I thought this worked really well. The only – my only little thing – uh, about this whole thing is where Kevin Green's wife disappeared to when, like, because woman and Elizabeth chase uh, Deborah McMichael and, sorry, for the purposes of this, it's Kevin Green's wife uh, <laughs> up the ramp. And then when they come back, Deborah McMichael is dressed up like, uh, how do I say this politely? I don't know. Like, uh a glamorous woman. I don't know. <laughs> she's in like a cheap cocktail dress is yes. probably the best way to say yep. it. And, uh, and then she's got like a, a briefcase filled with money and a, and one of those awesome fucking four horsemen t-shirts they still need to get. And then Mongo takes the money. And I've got to say Dusty and Tony were doing a good job of planting that seed on commentary throughout the match. Because yeah. Tony says earlier that uh, Mongo played a season with the Green Bay Packers. Why would he go to the Packers, who are like the worst enemies of the Chicago Bears, which I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, that's what Tony said. Um, and uh, the answer was simple. Mongo said money. And it's like, oh, cool. All right. Well, then that, you know, it's probably a little late to be putting, you know, Chekhov's briefcase into the, <laughs> into the storyline. But at least they're doing it. At all, you know. There's plenty of times in wrestling where you wouldn't even get that much story. I, I, re- I thought this was all really good, you know, and I felt really sorry for Kevin Green, which I think was the point in the end. Oh, actually, maybe you were meant to feel sorry for Macho, but I felt sorry for Kevin Green. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I think you were definitely supposed to feel sorry for Macho, but uh, I think yeah, the God, thing, the no, thing no. that's gonna that 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 they're gonna miss out on. So I think I. I think Pepe's going to go away. Oh, Pepe was there. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Pepe uh, came to the ring. I don't think we're going to get Pepe dressed as a horse, which would have been delightful. <sighs> Sorry. I want to see Pepe as the fifth horseman. <laughs> the JJ Dillon of the group, Pepe. Uh, <laughs> I was actually more thinking of Pepe dressed up in like a little robe, like a little Ric Flair. Oh, that's delightful. Robe. Uh, Dog Ric Flair is a, like you. Could, he's so uh, he's so memeable, I guess, that you could really do that. Like you could dress 100%. an animal up. Like you guess so you could dress an animal 100%. up like Hulk. You could dress an animal up like Macho. That's the problem with wrestlers these days. They're not mm-hmm. recognizable enough for you to be able to dress an animal as Repo Man. You could dress up a dog as Repo Man. People would, yeah. I mean, people would just the Undertaker. Think- <laughs> is Undertaker a good? <laughs> Is Undertaker a good name for a dog? 
Like if you're at the dog park, you're like, Undertaker, Undertaker. (laughs) (laughs) So I believe you should call your dogs human names. So in that case, it would be Mark, just because when you go to busy dog parks and you're like, (laughs) Mark, Mark, no. And there's always like some bloke that turns around like, so you just got to call them like common names, the most common names from about 20 years ago, because that's when people start to get dogs. Yeah. Like you can't call them like, uh, I mean, you can do it if you really want to. Dwayne. If you want to fuck with kids, like you can call it like, you know, anesthesia. I do not. (laughs) We are actually, I reckon. I am categorically putting that on the record. (laughs) We are the most anti-pedophile podcast, wrestling podcast, on the internet. Yep. And. Are we? Yep. And if you don't share us with three of your friends. We know why. You're a pedophile. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant marketing. And I'm studying communications. Well done, man. I'm going to put that in my next essay. <laughs> I don't know why, like, all things aren't like, they're not, it's not like, get a Hershey's bar. If you don't, we know that you think, uh, we're, we're, you know, the FBI You're part should- part of the l- Taliban. Yeah. <laughs> the FBI <laughs> should look at your, your internet activity. Uh you know, like that kind of thing. Like, I just think they should go really, really hard. Do you um? Do you like Big Macs? Oh, you don't? How long have you been in QAnon for? That kind of thing. <laughs> no, but that's people might be like, well, actually, like, you know, we're pro QAnon. Whereas, like. Exactly. You- that's why I'm part of QAnon because McDonald's and the. <laughs> Where, but they're McDonald's. They're people who and- eat McDonald's to be like, let's be honest. What you've got to go is you because like McDonald's isn't halal. It's because so- their glorious leader eats Nothing but yeah, McDonald's. That's why you've got to you've got to be like prop like with McDonald's, you're like, um feel like a Big Mac? No. You donate to ISIS, you piece of shit. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When did you move from Russia? That's how that's what it would be. <laughs> Are there any McDonald's you- in Syria? Oh God. I don't know. If there were, I don't think they're there anymore. <laughs> Um, no, there's no. Do you remember not- when the first McDonald's opened in Moscow, and it was like just on the news of how many? Like it was the biggest news in the world. Yeah. What's your McDonald's order? Oh, uh, it's well, it's amazing. Since I've quit drinking, I think I've had McDonald's once. Oh my god! But when I was a drinker, I would have it all the fucking time. Mm. Usually because I was coming home at four o'clock in the morning. So my sober my sober order is pretty simple. It's hmm. a large Big Mac meal with a uh, six-pack of nuggets. <laughs> Got to get those nugs, man. Uh, sometimes I'll change it up. If I'm feeling a little healthy, I'll get a McChicken meal rather than hmm. a Big Mac meal. <laughs> but that's very basic. When when I'm drunk, all bets are off. So usually I would get a large McFeast meal. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we have, if McFeast exists, the McFeast, uh, McFeast uh, in the States and stuff. Yeah, I think Or is so. that like a weird Aussie thing. And my other burger, I would get another burger. Mm. Sometimes I get two other burgers. A fillet of fish, the most evil of the McDonald's burgers, mm. and a cheeseburger as well. Because you have that panic of like, oh, I need all the food. Do you know we were the, Australia was the sixth country to get McDonald's. It seems about right, seeing that we've got like four per suburb. And then Guam got it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. It sounds like our vaccine rollout. This is this is the McDonald's uh, restaurants page is really interesting. The most recent country to get McDonald's is Kazakhstan. 
So that's interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's that a whole bunch of like former locations. So like Barbados got McDonald's in 1989. It closed in 1990 because of poor sales. It's not very good. It's uh, The thing that I'm starting to realize as a middle-aged man is that hmm. all the American fast food chains that – because I had very strict parents who wouldn't let me have American fast food. Hmm. So by the time I was like 16 years old, all I wanted to do was eat that. So throughout my 20s, I was like, fast food is the best. I love it. It's so good. But now, that, especially now that I don't drink anymore <laughs> um, and you can taste things and I don't smoke either and I can taste things. When I have KFC or Macca's or Hungry Jack's or whatever, I'm like, this is not. And also, like, there's no nutrition in it. So you to like you finish it and you're like, I'm still hungry. So you've just eaten all of these calories for nothing, <laughs> and it doesn't even really taste that good. I don't think. I well, I think that I'm I I Except the like, KFC Tower Burger. I'm a big fan of the Big Mac Index. So like anyway, but let's let's get off this. We need to talk about. <laughs> The the two people who have invaded our favorite wrestling show. Uh, just before we get onto those mm. guys, did you see the guy who dressed up as Macho Man in the front <laughs> row? Of that, he was difficult to miss. That fellow, he looked exactly like Randy. I mean, yeah. it was weird. I thought it was Randy. <laughs> it's bizarre, right? I was like, "Is this a Kudos thing?" Because that, that like, was amazing. Because Cons we don't, point. we don't have the Saturday nights. Occasionally, things will happen and be ref or not referenced at all. But you're just supposed to know this story beat. And I thought, like, I was like, "Is there mm. some story beat we're supposed to know?" And there wasn't. It was just no. It was a fan. No, because the security guard, as usual, came down and ruined it. Because I think he wasn't sitting. Down the front, and so he was trying to get Randy's attention, mm. and the security guard was like, "You don't sit here, man. Go away." <laughs> and then some other people who lived, like uh, lived, sat in the front row, were obviously trying to say to the security guard, "But look at him! Just <laughs> let him stay down here." So, are you ready to but talk he about? Didn't unfortunately. Are you ready to talk with me about <laughs> these two fellows who've invaded WCW? Yes. Yeah. Bit concerned for WCW right now. Am I? Yep. I am. You are? Yeah. Why? Because these two invaders just, just demolished this oh, tiny kayfabe. man. We're doing kayfabe, right. Yes. No, I'm really worried, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Out of kayfabe, uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, how effective Business is, is this? is booming, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is like, this looks fantastic. It works really well. Like. Yeah. Uh, Throwing so so they they do an interview. They say, "Tell us who you three. You can't even get three people." Eric says, "We'll tell you tomorrow night," which I love. Um, and then you he's know, always selling Eric. We don't know who the third uh, uh, third outsider is. Um, I think it might be X Park, something like that. There's some. It's it's disappointing. As with all things in wrestling, it's just it's a, the third man is a disappointing re- reveal. But we're going to get it's the repo man. <laughs> oh, imagine that would not be disappointing <laughs> at all. Um, oh, it's Hakeem, the African dream. It's either skip or zip. <laughs> <laughs> it's John Tento, who's no longer at a shark. Some, at some point, on yeah, no, he's he is not a fish. Do not call him a fish. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> at some point, can we talk about how fucking bizarre Hakeem the African Dream is as a character? I don't know where yes. on what podcast it would be, but I just sometimes I just think about that and then I laugh to myself and I carry on with my day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. But anyway, let's talk about Kevin and Scott. How so they you- come out. Yeah. You are you doing it or you want? No, to no, it? you go, you go. Oh well, I was just gonna. They like they come out. The only thing I was going to say that I was like, they must have had to have done this legally is say that they're not. Yeah. From the WWF because Vince it was really, suing them really hard. Yeah, but did they have to say? Because I don't, I don't think, I don't think Vince had a fucking leg to stand on. They they haven't at any point said Razor Ramon or Diesel. They haven't mentioned WWF. I, they've all like they've insinuated. I it, think because but, he said, "You know where I'm from," and uh, and because Scott Hall's not actually Puerto Rican, but he's doing the Puerto Rican accent and doing the the the, the bits of Razor Ramon. So whether there yeah, was or the wasn't, I think stuff. I think Turner got advice that they had to. We will discuss actually the the details of this on the next Nitro Pod because we'll have a we'll have a meltdown that we'll have all the details from Great American Bash. Yeah, fair enough. Um, anyway, it was a, it kind of hit me and I was like, oh god, I wish they hadn't done that. But then it didn't really matter. They like they jumped over that hurdle really, really well because I, yeah. I I don't I don't remember seeing this or. I, I don't. I don't remember this moment. I don't remember them. I, I know that they attacked Eric, but I don't remember the power bomb into a table. Eric sold this really well. He didn't come across mm. as nervous or anything like that. Like, um, and then like took the bump pretty well. Yeah. Also, like, that's not a. You know, that's a pretty big spot for a guy who's not a wrestler to take is to take a power bomb off the stage. Through a table. I mean, mm. I I know there was cushioning underneath and stuff, but still, a lot of things can go wrong. It, uh, yes, luckily they didn't. But uh, it, it is so. It's just so effective. Like you can just tell why people thought this was a thing, right? Oh, absolutely. You can hear it in the crowd, mm. and they they sell it well as well. Like uh, you know, Shivani goes off um, commentary for a bit and then leaves Dusty to do his best. Best Garth from Wayne's World impersonation when the camera goes on Garth and it's like, oh, I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> got Dusty just sort of like, uh, if you will, uh, 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 uh. Um, but the great thing about it is that all of that kind of like unprofessionalism feeds into, oh, fuck, we don't know what to do because Eric's just been murdered by mm. Kevin Nash, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, I thought it was great. And then the only thing that it did do, which we kind of spoke about at the beginning of the podcast, is it sort of sucked out any life there may have been in the the giant Lex Luger mm. match. But you're starting to get the feeling that those guys, when I say those guys, I mean uh, Scott and Kevin, are already making booking decisions <laughs> of like, well, who gives a shit? No one gives a fuck about those guys. So we'll come out. We'll do our spot. We'll put you through the table and then, you know, who cares if no one pays attention to Lex versus the Giant? They're shit anyway. <laughs> I get the feeling that, like, that may have been yeah. the conversation that was had. Well, I think they probably realised we have a really, really bad main event and, like, people might actually leave. Like, we need to get in 
this this is the major angle. We need to get this in. You know, we're going to yeah, do ten, 10 minutes and go home. Like it's not, you know, we've got Ray, we've got a debuting Ray Mysterio going twenty minutes. We've got, you know, I think they, uh, yeah, I think they probably did this on purpose. Yeah, and it, I mean, it works. The only people who who the only people who don't win out of this are Lex and and the Giant, but also like there was no. Oh, there was a little bit of work put into the story, but about mm. a week's worth, maybe two at most. Um, and Lex's character is so confusing, man. I don't, I don't think anyone can get behind him. You know, no. like it just, and like even in this match, even in the match, like Sting comes out and chases off Jimmy Hart, and it's like, okay, so they are best friends now. I don't. Anyway, who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> it just like. Uh, I don't know if the I've sort of said this before. I don't know if it, it's true or not, but it kind of feels like everybody on the roster is picking up their game since Kevin and Scott have appeared. Yeah, yeah. I think because I feel like the been, last couple of pay per views. Sorry, man, you go. No, I mean when you said before that the only people who don't win from this are Giant and Lex, but the the reality is all of them are the whole wrestling business is about to win from Kevin Nash and Scott Hall because wrestling is about to become oh yeah boom it's a thing yeah absolutely um yeah so this is like I thought this whole pay per view was actually you know I mean even Lex and the Giant wasn't the worst thing we've seen since we've started doing this podcast um. But yeah, just the continuing storytelling, the fact that Eric was prepared to put his body on the line like this to sell this story. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think this whole pay per view is like good. And it's been a while since we've watched a WCW pay per view where we could say that. Oh, it. I think occasionally we've been like, oh, I wasn't expecting this to be as enjoyable as it was. This is the first genuinely good. WCW, like genuinely great WCW. Oh, what about product. Halloween Havoc, man? <laughs> I, I, there was good stuff. Monster trucks. I mean, you, no, okay, you're right. The monster, obviously, <laughs> when Hulk Hogan murdered the big show, uh, that was. Hulk Hogan killed a guy. There were monster trucks. Hulk Hogan fucking pushed a dude off a building. The, I mean,. This and then th- that guy came back to life <laughs> with no bruises on him. But literally, like wh- when I said before about the cruiserweights essentially deciding what people on the internet think is good wrestling, which is what happens. What what happened? Also, you know mm. the surprise element of the next few months in WCW and the debuts and the shocks and all this kind of stuff decides what all wrestling fans think is good wrestling like it completely changes what wrestling is wrestling was hulk hogan murdering the giant and they're driving monster trucks and whatever well fuck absolutely um, you know wrestling is now and something it also dictates, different. it also yeah absolutely man and it also dictates a change for wwf as well i mean that's yeah. another part of this narrative that like you know not that we're we wanted to revisit wcw to see if we could remember like if we remembered correctly and the story that's told about WCW is incorrect, mm. which is like, hey, it was good for like six weeks and the rest of it was shit. Yeah. Um, to be fair, the first sort of 10, 11 months kind of supports that narrative a little bit that it's not 
super great. It's fine. I don't think it's any worse than what WWF is doing, though, the last 10, 11 Oh, it's months. probably a little bit better in, in most ways. Um, yeah. Like we, well, they've got uh, a know, better roster for sure. We run through what the, you know, what they're doing on each channel, and you know, WWF have Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels in his prime physically, and Bret Hart mm. sort of right towards the end of his physical prime. And yeah, they he's got basically, year or two. they basically never put them in actual wrestling matches. No, they're never on Raw, so you it's know, always like they've got uh, Owen Hart. Know, they've um, got you know, uh, yeah, great re- Yokozuna versus Owen Hart. Yeah, and like, look, like you could have really great matches with Owen Hart. He's incredible, but they just didn't bother, mm. and so it's a bit. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. no. but Eric Bischoff, Eric Bischoff, and and um, Scott and Kevin's booking. <clears throat> Um, that happens over the next year completely changes. It forces WWF's hand as well. So then we mm. get the Attitude Era has not begun yet. No, I mean, there's this there's this sort of narrative that it started like two years ago uh, at times, but it it didn't like. And even the narrative of like, oh, it started when Stone Cold Austin cut the promo on Jake the Snake. Which is right now. Yeah. This is happening right now. <coughs> so at the sa- exact yeah. same time of, as Great American Bash, Austin's doing Austin 316. I think the, the I think you can say the Attitude Era started when Vince McMahon did that to-camera interview where he says we're going to start showing more attitude and being more basically stealing what WCW were doing. Um, I always that, that thought hasn't happened yet. that it was uh, the... Brett screwed Brett promo. To me, it always felt like that's because that was the Mr. McMahon character, right? Mm. Even though we all kind of know that that's just Vince. Yeah. Um, like, that. to me, that was like, because Mr. McMahon is such a huge part of the attitude. I mean, he, he is. He's the major heel of the attitude era. So until that character comes along, I, I don't think you can say that the attitude here exists. And I yeah. think that's, you know, off the back. And then the booking decisions that they make after that are com- like uh, counter booking what Eric's been doing for the last year and a bit on. Anyway, WCW mm. fucking rocks and it's about to, it's about to get <laughs> even better. <laughs> Agreed. Is my point. <laughs> um, Agreed. I think we're done. Have we done the podcast? We're out, man. Done. We're done. Do we have any meltdowns or what's on? We don't because it's a pay per view. No, right? yeah. So we we get we get the bash at the beach and and whatever everything else that is happened. Sorry, bash at the beach, Great American Bash, and everything else that happened in the week at, in the, on the next episode of of Nitro. Can I just? I, I don't know if you watched right to the end. Did you see the little, uh, like shark graphics, shark beach graphic for Bash at the Beach? No. <laughs> so once they like. It panned to black and then it came back and there was just this awful 90s like animated <laughs> sort of, um, uh, I don't know, ad for Bash at the Beach. It was just the, the most 90s thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, like the it's, end of it, Bond films where in the 60s where it'd be like, James Bond will return in Octopussy. It was like that. It's like yeah, WCW it was, will yeah. return at I'd, Bash at the Beach. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> I missed it. I, I'm going to go back and watch it. Nothing happens. It's literally just like a photo, basically. But it's got like a little shark with sunglasses on it. It's it's so 90s, it's not funny. Awesome. I love it. (laughs) 
But anyway, uh, we should wrap that up. Um, and that's what <laughs> I do. That's my job, isn't it? Okay. So uh, thank you so much for supporting us, guys. Um, we are legitimately starting to – I feel like we're almost like a real podcast now. We're starting to get like actual people actually listening to us. Um, and we wouldn't have been able to do that with Captive FM, so we thank you very much for that, even though we pay you to do it. But anyway, you've still have been very good. And uh, <laughs> the best way that you can help us is by telling your friends about it, like uh, sharing us on social media, Facebook, just being like, hey, there's this wrestling podcast where a couple of guys just talk about old wrestling and say you should listen to it. That's the best. That's our call to arms to you guys. Don't have to do anything else. Don't worry about rating and reviewing it, anything like that. Just tell tell one friend and then we can double our audience and then I can start going to advertisers and be like, hey, we want to talk about your balls, Razor. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, until next time, brother friends, Pepe is dead. <laughs>